Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma, and online at fbctuttle.net. Now, let's get started. You know, as we have uh, been looking at, uh, at the book of Romans, particularly in chapter 12, I know I say this every week, but, but uh, we, we've seen that in, in earlier in the book of Romans, in, in, verse, in chapters 1 through 11, all that Christ has done for us, how he has justified us, a good big church word, justified, that, uh, that I always remember as just being, you know, it is, it is because of what Christ has done that it is just as if I never sinned. What an amazing thing that is. Because, you know, I know the truth really about my sin, right? But God in his, in his ways says, Marty has been justified. He's been made right with me. I have adopted him as my child. And I have given him the presence of the Holy Spirit to guide him and to teach him and to lead him. And as a seal that once and for all, for all eternity, he belongs to me. And I pray that for every one of you, that, uh, that you have experienced that as well. Because of that, the Apostle Peter says that, that, uh, that God has given us everything that we need to live life and to live godly through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. And as we have, have, we have uh, been speaking about for the last weeks and, and, uh, and will continue, that the spiritual reality of, of this miracle of salvation that we have been given impacts every single part of our life. Not just, not just our eternity. But as we have seen in, in Romans chapter 12 that the Apostle Paul says that because we are children of God, because we have been saved, because our souls have been hidden in the cleft of the rock, that we are to live our lives as worship to Him. That, that we present ourselves present our bodies a living sacrifice and worship to the Lord that we refuse to be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind with the word of God and thereby live out what God's will is for our life his good and acceptable and perfect will of God and we we've looked at that God's design in, in, in our relationships, particularly in our relationship with other believers, is that we, as, we, as we rub up against each other and we utilize the giftings that God has given us, that we love one another. Each, each providing uh, 
help to the, to the body of Christ, not, and not just this local body, but yes, this local body, but, but in the world that, that the church, that we use our giftings that God has given us to strengthen one another, to encourage one another, to love one another, to, to meet each other's needs, that we, we've seen that we are to give preference to one another in humility, counting others at least equal to if not better than ourselves. And now, now Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and I, and I, and I hope, when I, when I preach messages like I'm going to preach today, I need you to know that this is the Word of God. <laughs> this, this, is not, this is not Paul necessarily talking. It certainly, I pray, is not Marty talking. But all Scripture is inspired of God, given for our good that we might grow in our knowledge of God. And he, and he begins, in, in the passage that we're going to look at today, he begins some teachings on attitudes and actions that that we believers are to, are to manifest in the world, not only with each other, but everywhere, even with enemies, maybe even especially with enemies. And I, and, and I don't know how you would define your enemy. I'm not going to try to define it. You, you know, we, we know that we are aliens in this world. We are strangers. Jesus himself said, when he prayed the high priestly prayer, said, said, Father, protect them, be with them. They are not of this world. We forget that. And as such, we, the world has lots of stuff that it brings against us. And, um, and, and Paul, Paul is going to tell us that in whatever situation we're found, here are some actions and some, and some attitudes that we are to have. And, and I will tell you, some of, it, some of it's a difficult teaching. It's a teaching that is not only contrary to our human flesh, right? But I believe in many instances, if not most instances, at least for me, and, and probably you weren't raised much different than me. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's contrary to a lot of the teaching that we've grown up with. You see, when, 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 I, when I was growing up, and, and, I can't even, and I can't even really say when I was growing up, because I, I, I'm still this way. You know, we, we grew up and, and possess a strong sense of justice, right? Stand up for what is right. We, we, we're taught and we've learned that the weak should be defended. Take bullying, right? I mean, that's... You know, several years, I don't hear so much about it really anymore, but several years ago we had this big, you know, deal on bullying, dealing with bullies and, and how to deal with bullies. You know, I was taught you stand up to a bully. You might get beat up, but you need to, 
defend yourself. And in my house, not only yourself, but your little brothers. And I mean, in, you know, don't, don't pick a fight, but don't, you don't be a coward. And then, then with bullying, we came, to, we came to the point where, okay, you don't, you don't necessarily stand up to the bullying. You tell the teacher about the bullying, right? Tell the authorities. Get somebody, get somebody higher up involved, you know, that they, can, that they can solve the problem. Well, that created a conflict because in, in my household, we, we also were taught and taught, because I'm a dad, right? Hey, don't be a tattletale. Well, you got some of you are laughing. You've been, I mean, well, you see the dilemma we're in? Tell the teacher, don't be a tattletale. That doesn't really fit with, you know, that, that, that what's, what, we're, what we're doing. And besides that, there's, there's no, there's a pretty good chance the teacher's not going to have, or the authority's not going to have the same sense of justice that I had. You know, I remember when I was, I don't know. I'm going to tell two or three stories on myself this morning that I'm not proud of. But I remember when I was 10 or 11 years old, I got in my first fight. You know, one of the meet me after school kind of fights, you know. And uh, I mean, it was important. I mean, it was an important principle that was being fought over. We were on the playground playing kickball. And... Frankly, I don't, I don't even remember if I was the guy that threw the ball or if I was the guy that was supposedly got hit by the ball. But somehow, one of us didn't think we were out when we got hit with the kickball. And a fight ensued. Can you imagine? So, so where was this, there was this fight over whether or not I was out when getting hit by a kickball. You know, you know how to play kickball, right? If you get the ball hit to you and you throw it at somebody and hit them, then they're out. That may not be the rules anymore, but when I was a kid, that was a rule, right? And back then, it didn't matter if you hit them in the head, you hit them in the foot, wherever you hit them, they were out, right? And, but, but we had this disagreement on the playground, me and a guy named Jeff. And, uh, and we got in a fight over it after school. And a teacher caught us, and uh, she didn't seem to think that that was such a big deal that we ought to be fighting over. Imagine that. And, uh, but, but we did. I remember, I remember another story when I was a little bit older, where I went to a... Uh, and if any of my extended family end up seeing this, you guys forgive me, I'm not going to use names, but... It's a true story. I went to a baseball game of a cousin of mine that was playing baseball. He was in high school. I was younger than him, but uh, I probably was still in high school, young high school maybe. And I uh, went to watch a baseball game. And, uh, of course, my grandparents were there. They would driven in. They were there. You know, we had family there and whatnot. And, uh, and it seems that the coach of the baseball team that he played for had, had instituted a rule. Now, some of you guys that are coaches may get this, right, that I guess he had got fed up 
with his players watching a third strike. Any of you that are baseball players know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you're up there to hit the ball, and you may take a swing or two and miss, but you just don't watch a strike on the third one. You try to swing. You at least swing and try. Foul it off, hit it. Just don't stand there. And, and this coach, I guess, had been, had been tired of watching his guys just stand there. So he had a rule, right? If you watch a third strike, you're headed to the batting cage to hit 100 balls, 500 balls. I don't remember the number. But uh, it was enough that when you watched the third strike, you went to the batting cage. And if you weren't finished by the time, time, time to take the field, you sat on the bench. You stayed in the batting cage while somebody else took your place. Well, I remember setting my cousin, he watched the third strike. He gets sent to the batting cage. And I'm sitting by my grandfather. My grandfather, he's like getting mad. I can't believe, not mad at my cousin, mad at the coach. I can't believe, you know, that coach is making him, you know, do that. Well, he wasn't the only one. Coach made everybody do that, Right. Well, second time, cousin comes up to bat again, and I'll be dogged if he doesn't do it again. Right? And my grandfather said, I'm going to go beat that coach up. Now, though, any of you that happen to know my grandfather, I mean, he, he was, when he was a young man, he was kind of a brawler before the Lord saved him. Right? But, uh, but his tendency was to kind of fall back on those kind of ways. I love my grandfather. He was a man of God, and my heritage in the Lord is attributable to him. Okay? But he was going to beat somebody up, beat that coach up over making my, his grandson go spend an hour in the batting cages. He probably had blisters on his hand. I mean, I don't know all the de- details, right? But my grandpa was going to beat him up. Now, he didn't do that, I don't think. I don't think he did that. And you know, we, 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 we tell those stories with great pride. Oh, Grandpa was going to beat up your coach, you know, for making you do that. He was on your side, taken up for you. Now, now why do I, I mean, which... You know, I mean, looking back, Grandpa, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have threatened beating somebody up over that. Right now, you guys, you guys get, you get what I'm talking about. We defend, we defend the things that we believe are right. We defend those that we love. Sometimes to a fault. Sometimes to a fault. Even the, even the teacher in my playground fight, the next day, Jeff didn't come to school. And she made a point of looking me up and saying, well, I guess you must have won the fight, you know, since Jeff didn't come to school. So, you know, so, so it's almost like an attaboy for misbehaving. Now, what, did we view it as misbehaving? I mean, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I do now. I did 20 years later because real justice came 20 years later at a church that Brenda and I were going to, when in walks Jeff and his wife. 
And I had had no interactions with Jeff since that fight in fifth or sixth grade or whenever it was. And I remember the first thing that had to be done was I, I, had, to, I had to get that right as I could with Jeff. Because regardless of what it was, I was at fault. I allowed a fight to ensue over something as ridiculous as a kickball game. And, and apparently, because he didn't come to school the next day, it was weighed on him, too. It wasn't a lot, yeah, we get over it and we become best friends. That ain't the way it was. I don't remember entering any interactions with Jeff until 20 years later. So, so, so why do I tell you these stories? You see, I, I think that our sense of justice at times gets a little messed up. Certainly now I see the wrong in my, you know, 11-year-old self sense of justice treating, treating another person like I did over a kickball game and how, and how wrong that was. But, but, here's, but here's, what I, here's what I think about. We all, I think, I think, I can't, well, I can't say all. I think, I think most of us ha- have this sense that there's some degree to which we have a right to defend ourselves or hurt somebody else because of a hurt that we've experienced, even if it's as silly as you know, a kickball game or uh, having to take batting practice. You know, there's, there's a sense of justice that, that we all carry with different things, right? Now, now with some things, I mean, I, I think about human trafficking, right? Or selling a human being literally is what that is. Or, or abusing a child or, or fraudulent theft, right? Stealing from old people, widows or widowers through construction fraud or through scams or through whatever those kinds of things. Most, most of us would agree that, that exploiting the vulnerable like that is, is evil, right? And we carry within us this sense of right and wrong that, that people that are oppressors should be punished and the weak protected. We want justice, And then, and then, you know, there are times, what, what, about, what about when it affects you personally or me personally? What, what if we have stuff that is stolen or vandalized or, I mean, you know, the place that my mom and dad owned while they were alive, you know, has been broken into and things stolen on a couple of different occasions. Well, you, I, you, I can't even... I can't even in good conscience tell you the things that go through my mind, right? How can I set up a trap? Where do I need to sit with my gun to shoot them? Uh, all kinds of s- stuff. Guys don't want to know this about your pastor, do you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Lord, help me. See, see, I always get it first. But you see, we, we seem to think that there's a line somewhere that is drawn that warrants 
us feeling these ways about things that go on in our life. And, and certainly, there is, there is biblical instruction. There's biblical clarity. There's help for us, right? Isaiah tells, tells the people of God, the Israelites, he says, learn to do good. Seek, seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Right, so we are we are to engage around certain things, and in Psalm chapter eighty-two, the psalmist writes, "Defend the poor and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, free them from the hand of the wicked." Even James in the New Testament, right, says. Pure religion that, that God the Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Right? So there, so there is a sense of justice and a, and a sense of stuff that is godly and that is right and that we, and that we are to engage in. But then we come to passages like where we are today. In, and I forgot to give the guys in the sound room my, uh, my notes, but in, in Romans chapter 14, excuse me, Romans chapter 12. And in verse 14, Paul, Paul moves from how we, how we act around brothers and sisters to, to just dealing with everybody. And he says this, he says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. You know what that means? Treat your enemies like your friends. Blessing, blessing. In chapter 17, or in verse 17, he goes on to say, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Repay no one evil for evil. Now, I don't know if thoughts count right, with all those bad things that I wish to happen for people that steal things from me or hurt those I love, even if it's just a perceived hurt from dad or for grandpa's viewpoint. You guys understand what I'm saying, right? But God says through the, through the Holy Spirit, Paul writes, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. See, I, I wonder about I wonder about my eleven year old self in that fight with Jeff. At eleven years old I had the I had the ability to be a witness to Jeff. I think I probably ruined that by beating him up. I think about my grandfather, who was a great man of God, throwing a fit from the bleacher, saying he's going to beat the coach up. I wonder if that didn't affect his witness to somebody, perhaps. And, you know, and, and we all probably have, have experienced, you know, things, things like that. But I think that's, that's at least some of the reasons why we, are, why we are encouraged, admonished to regard one another in love, to 
Bless those that persecute you and don't curse them too. Don't repay evil for evil. And then he says this, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, be at peace with all men. Live peaceably with all men. Verse 18. It's like, it's like he's saying, okay, repay no, bless those who persecute you. Don't repay evil for evil. Live peaceably with all men. Okay, wait a minute. They're not going to be able to do that all the time. Because you see, living at peace is at least a two-way street, right? It didn't matter whether if it's nation to nation or if it's person to person. It takes two to make peace. And Jeff and I may have never have had peace, right? Uh, if, if the other one wouldn't have wanted it. Now... Fortunately, by the time we were 30-plus years old, I was able to run into him again, right? We were able to kind of laugh about the whole thing after I sincerely apologized, right? And we agreed that that was one of the dumbest things either one of us had ever done because he was a believer too. But, but it, take, it takes two to be at peace. And, and the admonition here is, is it may not always be possible to be at peace with, with people. But, as much as it depends on you, for your part, you do whatever you can do to make it right. It's, it's about being reconciled. Having, it may not be able to happen, but as much as depends on you, you do it. And, you know, I... I, I, I know, I know within myself, I know probably within you, we're not great at that. Because, because at times, we, we so hang on to what we view as rights. We so hang on to what we view as, as, as important or whatever, that, that when, when somebody wrongs us in some way that they may or may not even know about, we become not at peace with them. But, but, but I know that in, in my own attitude sometimes, it's like, eh, whatever. Can't be friends with everybody. Our paths don't cross that often. Not a big deal. We agree. We're at peace. And... That's, that's opposed to what the Scripture says we should do. Scripture says as much as depends on you, you be at peace with all men. You bless those that persecute you. You don't repay evil for evil. And then he goes on to say, verse 19, Beloved, he's getting serious with them, right? He, he knew this was going to be a hard thing to hear, right? So he says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It's like, don't worry about the wrongs that are done to you. 
God will take care of it. And and we 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 seem to we seem to want to do that often, right? And I'm not saying we're going around getting in fights like my 11 year old self did, right? But but just attitudes that that are not of love and and humility and and helpfulness and all of that kind of stuff. He, he even goes on to say, if, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you heap coals of fire on your head. And you say, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Right? Heap burning coals on his head. <laughs> that's really not the, that's not the point of the scripture. And you will all hear all kinds of stories about what that may mean. And uh, apparently there was a, an Egyptian tradition that when one wanted to express public contrition, right? Maybe like what I should have done after my kickball fight. They put a pan on their head with coals in it to symbolize and walk around, symbolize shame. Symbolize I'm, I'm ashamed of what I've done and I'm repenting. And so the scripture teaches us that by, by responding in ways that are not humanly normal, at very best, I want to ignore my enemy. At very worst, I want to harm my enemy. Jesus says if he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And by so doing, he will come to experience the shame of what he's experienced. He's saying, leave it up to me. Leave it up to God. Leave it up. Don't do it yourself. Because you see, by doing it ourselves, we, we partially contribute to the ruination of our own testimony, don't we? We publicly are showing others that while we profess to be a Christian, that we've got this attitude that's bad. And it's like, well, that's just the way I am. No. No, God has given us the power to be greater than that. And, uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus taught about it a lot. Right? Matthew chapter 5, what we know is the Sermon on the Mount. Right? Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. You know, we can try to spiritualize that all we want. Right? But what Jesus is teaching is the way that we are to act with people. The graciousness that God gives us as his children. I told you this was going to be hard. He said, you've heard that it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. That's where Paul got it, I guess, right? Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you... What do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? 
Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. See, the expectation, the expectation of the Lord is that we as His children will act differently in our attitudes and our actions. And we see it, we see it in the life of Jesus for real on the cross. Because as He is being crucified, He says, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they do. Overlooking whatever failures of others that we see and know to be true. He asked God to forgive them for they don't know what they do. You know, I think of the martyr Stephen. You know, Stephen that was... When the, when the apostles needed help in the church dealing with just normal stuff... They called seven men that were righteous and full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen was one of them to serve as, you know, the first, what we, what we kind of call the first deacons. Acts chapter 6 says that Stephen was a man full of faith and grace and power. And he speaks the truth of God. And, and they so get riled up against Stephen that they, that they begin to stone him, to throw rocks at him until he dies. And in Acts chapter 7, it says, And they cast Stephen out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, who became Paul, that wrote this book, the Romans, that we're reading. And they stoned Stephen, and as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. <laughs> and when he had said this, he died. How, how can Jesus, how can Stephen have such attitudes in the face of such wrong being done to them? Because they were full of the Holy Spirit. That they didn't respond as my 11-year-old self responded to beat somebody up over a kickball game. Or as my grandfather responded when they were mistreating his grandson. Said, Father, forgive them. You know, we live in a time. We live in a time where there are many people advocating for attitudes and actions and behaviors that for the most part we do not agree with. And, it's, and it, it, just, it just runs the gambit of everything, just depending on what frame of mind kind of we have. Everything from vaccines to no vaccines. Everything from wear a mask to don't wear a mask. Everything from, here's the proper medical treatment of COVID, and here's what I think we ought to do in the treatment of COVID. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you read about those, see those, maybe experience those. You know, we have issues over zoning. We want something to happen or to not happen. We, we have issues, you know, our latest one's over bond issue at school, right? Did we need a new $9 million football field, or did we not? And then we have more serious issues, you know, uh, gay rights, 
gender identity. You guys have heard the latest, I guess. The state of Oklahoma has issued its first revised birth certificate. That now you can get a birth certificate that says you're neither male nor female. And it's like, what in the world? We can, we can argue about gun control, Second Amendment rights. The list just goes on and on and on and on of the areas of disagreement that are out there for us to, to have with people. And, and, in the, and in the days of social media and Facebook and Twitter and all the different ways that, that folks have of responding, we can, we can respond to all that stuff. And, and you don't have to be on any website long to see that many do. Many do. And I'm just wondering if, if sometimes the positions that we take the rights that we try to hold on to don't do more damage for the kingdom of God than they do benefit. I told you this was going to be hard. Because you see, we all have our favorites. We all have those issues that we believe are worth advocating over. They are worth stating my position. They are worth fighting for, and often that means belittling somebody else that disagrees with us. And Jesus says, repay no one evil for evil. Do not avenge yourself, but give place to wrath. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And he ends with this, do not be overcome by evil. Don't be overwhelmed by evil. Don't allow evil to overwhelm you. Our, even our own evil. Here it is 50 years later, and I'm still talking about the fight with Jeff. Overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. You know, as we finish this message today, you know, I just, I, 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 I wonder, you know, Lord, why, why this? Why, why have me preached this? And, I, and, I, and honestly, I don't know. Except that I know that the kingdom of God and the, the church of God Yes, we are to stand for what... I am not a pacifist. <laughs> you know, I, I sound like one today, right? But I believe in standing for what is right. I believe for loving the thing God loves and hating the thing God hates. But, but church, we've got to be... We've got to pick our battles. There are some things... They're almost as irrelevant as a kickball game. That we don't have any business advocating and holding our rights. And we must be careful to acknowledge the Word of God. To don't repay evil with evil. And, 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 and by the way, that's, you know, that's not just in a, I mean, action. I mean, yes, it, 
ends in action. But you know, actions start with thoughts, right? They start with how we think. And I just, and I think of, you know, I think of the way that I was, and I, and I, I, I want you to know, I have nothing but respect from, and love for my mom and dad or for my grandparents and for the way that I was raised. And it was the way that they were raised. And I'm not even necessarily saying it's entirely wrong, but what I am saying is we must temper those attitudes and actions that we have with what we know and have learned to be the truth of God. Brothers and sisters, we're going to impact this world far more by loving our enemies than we're going to by standing on rights. And we leave it to God. Leave it to God. He is almighty, all-powerful, in control. He is capable of change. Amen? Maybe, maybe there's a Jeff in your life (laughs) that you need to uh, get something straightened out with, right? Uh, Acknowledge a wrong or a hurt that was done and seek forgiveness. Maybe there's an attitude that came to your mind as I was preaching that you are right, something that you grab onto and you're just mad about it. Give that over to the Lord. Let us seek to be people of love and of grace, kindness, and of mercy and see what God can do in our world as a result. If my people who are called by my name will seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land and forgive them. It's kind of a paraphrase, but that's ultimately what it says. See, as, as the people of God, we, we live lives of repentance. We live lives of, of seeking to do and to be what God would have us to do and to be so that others may see our great God and come to know Him. I pray that our lives might look like that. Hey friends, before you go, if you have a prayer request, we invite you to send us an email at prayforyou@att.net. That's P-R-A-Y, the number four, Y-O-U at att.net. Or call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctuttle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you and we hope you have a blessed week.